Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. The response has already been huge to our big event on Friday, May 21st, our Dog Nation Days of Summer event there at the Battery Atlanta Truist Park. We've sold a ton of tickets already. Many of you have been kind enough to reach out to me on Twitter to say, hey, BA, I'm going to be there. So I'm happy about the response thus far. And coming up in a few minutes, I'm going to give you a reminder of exactly everything that's going to go down there and why I believe this is going to be the kind of thing that you're going to want to be a part of as we just get back together again and enjoy a great summer ahead of what's going to be obviously a really fun fall for the Georgia Bulldogs. In fact, let's begin right there today about why I think it can be a fun fall for the dogs here this year. As we've been saying now over the last few days, that if you look at recent national champions, the one thing that you see is a connection between those national championship teams and also a lot of success in future NFL drafts. In some cases, it's the very next draft. Obviously, that was true for Alabama. Six first-round picks from the 2020 national championship roster. In some cases, it's the kind of thing that accumulates over the course of a number of years. Clemson is still having guys drafted off its 2018 national championship roster. I believe they may be up to seven now on that. LSU is now up to six off its 2019 national championship roster. That these national championship teams over the course of the last few years, have just gotten more and more talented. It's almost like the gap between the very best team in college football and like the third, fourth, second, third, fourth, fifth best teams in college football. It seems like sometimes that gap is growing. These these dominant teams are becoming more and more dominant. So what we've said here, and by now you've probably heard me say this if you're a fairly regular listener or viewer to the program, that if you're going to talk about Georgia as a legit national championship team this fall, and you should be talking about Georgia that way, But to validate that claim, you better find like six guys who have the capability of being first round picks off this Georgia roster. And last week, we spent a lot of time talking uh, offense. We did quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive line, the whole thing last week. I want to spend some time here this week talking about the defense. And when I look at the Georgia defense and the guys who have a chance to be those kind of high-end, top-end, high-level performers, there's one thing that kind of jumps out to mind to me in a way that I'm wondering if, if you notice the same thing that I do. Some of you have shared this story with me because it is a story very similar to what we've been doing on the show. We're Athlon Sports, a publication that I like. Y'all know I like the preseason magazines, and they do you know one of those. It's really cool. But they also have a story online about the names to know from the SEC for the 2022 draft. And there's like seven Georgia names on the list. I don't have the full thing in front of me to show to you or anything like that, but it's, you know, guys you'd expect. You know, JT Daniels, George Pickens, you get on defense, it's Jordan Davis, you know, it's it's Nicobe, uh, sorry, it's it's uh, Nolan Smith, it's Adam Anderson, kind of on and on you go. Like seven names in total. But the name that doesn't show up on that list, I find to be kind of interesting. That's linebacker Nicobe Dean. Nicobe Dean is not on this list. Now, I'm not saying it's a gross oversight or anything like that. But I do think it leads me to believe, wait a second, there's a chance that people who follow college football closely, people who write for Athlon Sports as a for instance, there's a chance they might not quite know who, how good N'Kobe Dean is. And that's not any fault of theirs or any fault of Dean's or anything like that. There are always going to be some guys who are just a little bit underrated, possibly, because there's only so much media attention to go around. You give a little here, get a little, little there. Eventually, you kind of run out of that, and there's somebody out there who's deserving of media attention who might not be getting it. And I think in this case, when you look at the Georgia situation, I think it's fairly 
easy to say, wow, I think N'Kobe Dean may be undercovered at the moment, not getting as much attention as he should get. And as a way of just kind of sort of proving this point, let me pose the question to you this way. I mean, the people who are watching and listening to this show on a regular basis are very plugged into Georgia football. Would you say in your mind that you think of N'Kobe Dean as a lesser player than Nolan Smith, a lesser player than Adam Anderson, a lesser player than Jordan Davis, a lesser player than Trayvon Walker? Do you think of Dean as a lesser name than these other guys? And that's not in any way to disparage any of the guys that I just mentioned. But when I think of you know the categories of Georgia players, high-end talent, possible breakouts, to me, I would very easily you know, include N'Kobe Dean in a conversation with those other names that I just mentioned as the kind of guys who could eventually be big-time leaders for what you hope is a great Georgia defense this fall and also eventual first-round picks there as well. Now, I get the idea of an Athlon not including Dean alongside, like, say, a Nolan Smith or an Adam Anderson. The fact of the matter is the NFL draft just values what Anderson and Smith potentially do. The NFL just values that more. They're those edge rushing guys, and in drafts, those are the you know the kinds of players, the kinds of skill sets that NFL teams kind of gravitate towards. But we've seen whether it be you know uh, Devin White from LSU or obviously Roquan Smith from Georgia, we have seen the way that an interior lineman. In fact, go back and watch Devin White from the Super Bowl. By the way, we have seen the way that these interior linemen can also be big time contributors to a defense there as well. And my goodness, Nicobe Dean was a semifinalist for the Buckus Award last year. So you know, certainly some folks have noticed the success and the tackling machine that Dean has become. But in terms of being on early draft radars and some of these early preseason prognostication stories, things like that. It seems like Dean's kind of flying below all of this, and I find that to be pretty interesting. As I said before, I would ask Georgia fans on this, people who are watching closely, do you think of Dean as a lesser player than the than the players who are getting a lot of attention right now, who are showing up on some of these pre-draft, early 2022 mock look-ahead type things? I would say the average Georgia player does not think of Dean in a category below those guys. I would say the average Georgia fan probably thinks of Dean in a category with those guys. Now, some of this, maybe in terms of Nicobe not getting a lot of attention, may be related to the fact that he was not a participant in spring practice for Georgia here this year as he was kind of uh, dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury recovery. But as we've said on a previous edition of our program, I think the fact that N'Kobe Dean was not participating fully in spring practice this year, the fact of the matter is I think this spring was still a validation of how valuable Dean is to Georgia and how important of a role he's going to feel for the dog fill for the dogs here this year. Let me, in fact, let me let, let you hear Kirby Smart on this just for a moment. You know, Smart was kind of asked at one point in time uh, during the spring. You want to go back, you know, a few weeks ago, month or you know, a couple months ago now. He's asked, hey, you know, who's your leader right now? Who's your, I think the phrase that was used there, who's your field general? Who's the guy that everybody in this defense kind of rallies around? And as we've told you before, I'm always going to be really interested in the stuff that Smart says unprompted or the way in which Smart answers a question quickly and and emphatically, given the fact that Smart would typically would prefer not to answer any kind of questions at all. When Smart has an answer at the ready, my ears always perk up a little bit more. Listen to how quickly and firmly Kirby Smart establishes N'Kobe Dean as the leader everyone looks at when it comes to the Georgia defense. This is Kirby. Who is the field general on the defense right now? Well, Nakobe's the field general. He's not out there, you know. So you say, who is it? It's it's done by committee. It's, uh, you know, when you don't have a really good player out there, it allows other people to step up. 
Let me make an overly simplified point just here for a moment. If Kirby Smart, without hesitation, is saying, yeah, that guy's our field general, you better believe if Smart is saying that as emphatically, as clearly, as unmistakably as he is, you better believe that NFL personnel men and NFL scouts and those who do this for a living, you better believe that they will eventually be watching him very closely there too. Smart's lack of hesitancy in proclaiming Dean as a clear, unmistakable, unavoidable leader for this Georgia defense, that really matters. On a defense that could be as good as this Georgia defense could be, that level of praise from Smart, I would say, makes Dean underrated in comparison to the national attention he's getting right now in these early mock drafts and early look-aheads and everything else. But Smart also, this spring, went into even more detail about exactly what Nakobe provided for Georgia during a spring in which he wasn't a full-contact participant, but still very much a part of everything that was going on there. More from Kirby Smart. Kobe still takes walkthrough reps. He takes every minute rep. I've never had a player probably in all my career coaching that was more engaged. You know, you have to stay on certain guys when they're injured to stay engaged. And Kobe's calling things out. Like, he's playing linebacker every play and making the call from the sideline. You can hear him. You, you, he's engaged. He's on top of it. And plus, he gets reps in individual and walkthrough. So, I feel good about the work he's putting in. You think that guy's not a draft prospect? Kirby Smart saying, He's as engaged as anyone I've ever coached. He's as he's as plugged into what's going on as anyone that I've seen. Now, Smart's not 100 years old, so it's not as long a career as it is for some people, but he's been around the block a few times. This guy is as engaged as anyone. Now, this is not to say that Anderson or Nolan or Trayvon Walker or, or Jordan Davis or, you know, you want to bring Lewis Cena to the discussion. That's not to say that any of those guys can't be big-time draft picks, too. But N'Kobe Dean belongs on that list. N'Kobe Dean's a guy worth paying attention to. So the bottom line on this entire discussion is, as we continue to kind of fill out our roster in our mind of that half dozen or so top-end performers, potential first-round picks who could help propel Georgia to a national championship, making Georgia from a talent perspective match what other elite programs have been like over the course of the last three years right now the national media doesn't seem to have N'Kobe Dean's name on that list and I believe that's an error I think Georgia fans know how important N'Kobe Dean is I think the rest of the country may find out later this fall my name's Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Palo Endo and Door of Georgia and glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, a lot of video platforms now. Radio at noon, of course, on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them. All the podcast platforms, the Apple, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, many of you listen right there, worldfamousdognation.com, a lot of ways for you to get the program, and we just, however you connect with us, we're just very thankful you do just that. And this studio, the microphones, the lights, the producer, all the stuff that makes the show possible, it would not be in existence if it not was not for our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia. So please hear my earnest recommendation for them that when you're in the market for energy-efficient windows and doors, Pella's the name to know. And listen, that matters right now, right? Because you're talking about you know, air conditioning, running overdrive. You want to keep that AC on the inside. Last night it was pouring down rain. I'm talking about pouring down rain. If you don't have those energy-efficient windows and doors, who knows what's creeping into your house from the outside. That's the thing that Pella does. It keeps the outside outside, the inside inside, and that's a really, really good thing. It'll also make your house look better on the outside as well. All kinds of really good stuff. And uh, listen, now is the time to reach out to them. Have the no-pressure consultation. Let them kind of 
make you aware of all your installation options and all the different choices you have there. It's just a great thing to be able to do and great savings there as well. Currently offering 10% off your entire project or 0% APR for 24 months. Easy to get in touch with as well. Call them 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Or go to PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. But when you get there, please do me a favor. Let them know you heard about them on Dog Nation Daily that I said they would take good care of you because I'm confident that they will. And I know you'll be happy when you trust them. Pella window and door of Georgia viewed to be the best. All right, we're going to get John Stinchcomb in a moment. I'd like to talk to John about today. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse. Now, this is frustrating for me, and I think it's frustrating for many of you there as well. So the state of Georgia passes its name, image, and likeness bill that's going to allow Georgia athletes, not just the University of Georgia, but you know any athlete in the state, tech, whatever else, to cash in on their endorsement potential and make some money and as i've said before i I think that a lot of the stuff related to this is intentionally vague at a certain point in time i think we're gonna try to bring on somebody to help explain some of this to us if that doesn't bore you to tears we may try to bring somebody on to kind of get the specifics of all of this but there was one aspect of the georgia state law not university of when i say georgia now i'm talking about the state the georgia law that got some attention the fact that the law has a provision that would allow universities to basically you know, essentially confiscate 75% of the, uh, of the name image likeness, you know, revenue being, you know, earned by an athlete and then pooling that together and redistributing amongst, you know, athletes, other sports or, or whatever else. Now, UGA, Georgia Tech, the big schools in the state have said they're not going to do that, but the provision in the law got a lot of attention. There was a lot of misinformation on Twitter about this over the course of the weekend. Frankly, I was busy. I had baseball, Mother's Day, everything else. I didn't have a chance to kind of engage with this too much. But uh, the I guess the grossest example of the misinformation probably comes from Fox Sports personality Shannon Sharp, who's somehow even more misinformed on Twitter than he is on TV on a regular basis. And that is not an easy thing to be true. Let me show you a tweet from Sharp here related to this who, in discussing the potential pooling of 75% of the money, says this is the best recruiting tool that Alabama, Clemson, and Florida could ever have. UGA will take 75% of what you earn. Uh, we'll let uh, you keep uh, – he says the other schools will let you keep whatever you earn. Uh, let me think what I would do if I were a college-eligible athlete. So that's Shannon Sharp kind of weighing in on that. You know, everybody who kind of covers George has been fairly clear on this. That is not what UGA is doing. Now, could the law have been written differently? I, I guess so, but honestly, I think that you know part of this is kind of overblown there as well. I mean, the only thing I'll say is, and this is where I'm going to come across as a semi-troll, and I don't mean to, but for the people who are like, how dare you take away money from these football players and give it to other athletes? My question on this is, what do you think has been happening for the last 50 years? If, if this is now, this is not Georgia's not going to do this. Uh, Georgia Tech's not going to do this either. But this idea of it is just unseemly to take money that could be earned by a football player and giving it to somebody else. I mean, how do you think these schools fund the rest of their athletic budget as it is? I mean, if you are this turned off and this offended by the idea that something a football player earns would be given to a different athlete. Boy, do I have some news for you about what's been going on in the rest of college sports for as long as I've been alive and for many of you there as well. So some of y'all know I'm a little skeptical of some of this NIL stuff as it is, and I guess that's where I kind of come across as a little bit of a troll, and I don't quite mean to, but interesting to see a lot of misinformation out there. I wouldn't worry too much about this. I think for the most part, 
you know, uh, this is just the kind of typical misinformation you see on Twitter a lot anyway. So Shannon Sharp was the wrongest person related to a lot of this, at least the most famous wrong person. But ultimately, it's probably not that big of a deal all the way around uh, as UGA athletes do get a chance to move forward and get a chance to make a little extra money. And we'll see how all of this plays out. That is Around the Doghouse. Hey, before we uh, move on, I do want to tell you a little bit more about, first of all, a great weekend for me. I had a chance with the Braves game on Friday night and then at the Braves game again on Sunday there as well. Last night, I took my mom and my uh, wife. We celebrated Mother's Day with them there. So we saw a great Braves win last night and just really a great weekend all the way around. Big Braves crowds, back to full capacity. I really felt healthy and safe. I loved being able to see everybody kind of get together there and enjoy the outdoors, enjoy the beautiful weather, and enjoy you know Major League Baseball. Who doesn't love that? Uh, and a chance to see the Braves take two of three from the Phillies here this weekend. That was also a uh, just a tremendous, tremendous uh, series there as well. And there's a lot more big games going on here. It's May in the A in Truist Park. A lot of uh, you know Braves uh, you know action going on. Getting ready to begin a series with the uh, Blue Jays. That's going to be going on starting tomorrow, May 11th through the 13th. Of course, Mets coming to town. The Pirates coming to town. Keep that in mind there as well. Uh, you got Alumni Weekend coming up the uh, weekend that uh, Pittsburgh here is here there as well on May 21st through the 23rd. So the website to go to to find out more about this, because I'm telling you right now, uh, the crowds are hot. The stadium is packed. Uh, everybody's healthy and safe. Uh, everybody's enjoying the battery outside before the game. Braves.com slash tickets for more on that. Braves.com slash tickets. And you can take advantage of May in the A there at Truist Park. Let me also say this there as well. Because Friday, and we'll get John Stinchcomb, I promise, right after this. Uh, John, uh, on Friday, we introduced our big event, Dog Nation Days of Summer, going to be at uh, the Battery Atlanta and Truist Park on Friday, May 21st. This is going to be a huge deal, y'all. you got to take advantage of this. It's going to be so, so much fun. Uh, we're going to have a reception there at the Terraman Tap Room before the game there, starting at 4 p.m. on Friday, May 21st. Dinner's provided by Fox Brothers Barbecue. Uh, you get three beers there before the game. We're going to be giving away some Dog Nation swag. We've even got some giveaway opportunities for some uh, Brave stuff, like signed baseballs, future Braves tickets, things like that. Also, gift cards in the Terrapin Tap Room. We're going to have a chance to win some of those there as well. We're all going to watch the Braves game against the Pittsburgh Pirates there together that night. Lower level diamond quarter ticket. You're going to be able to diamond corner ticket. You're going to be able to get those there as well. Of course, we're all going to be there together. It's all just $77. You get the dinner, the beverages, the ticket to the game, the Dog Nation giveaways. You get it all. $77. We've sold a ton of these already, but we've got some room for you and more to come there as well. So here's the website to go to. It's braves.com slash dog nation. Make sure you hear this. Braves.com slash dog nation. You can find out about the big event we have going on Friday, May 21st, before the Braves take on the Pirates. We're going to be there at the Terrapin Tap Room before the game, then all watching the game together during the game. Tickets just $77 for this, braves.com slash dognation, to find out more about that. And you can also hit me up on Twitter at dognationdaily, and we'll talk about the fun we're going to have related to all that. All right, so glad to have you with us. A lot to do today. Let's not keep him waiting any longer. Always fun to have a great conversation with our buddy John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And I hope all of you are having a great Monday, uh, getting that week off to a great start. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Bring in John Stinchcomb here. Always great to have a chance to talk to him on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And 
John, I want to do a little bit, if you don't mind, off the uh, stuff that I was just mentioning a moment ago. So the state of Georgia has moved forward with its name, image, likeness law. I think you are probably a little bit similar to me in the fact that I probably lean more in the direction of being a traditionalist when it comes to college sports. I'm a little skeptical with anything new, and I think skepticism when it comes to too much change is probably a good thing. There's been a little controversy related to the fact that the state law as written you know, provides the opportunity for like 75% of the revenue that the athletes earn to be kind of essentially confiscated and pooled and, and distributed somewhere else. UGA has said, you know, clearly and emphatically, they're not going to do this. Uh, but it still kind of erupts into a big discussion over the course of the weekend. I'll let you take this anywhere you want to take it. What do you think of the emerging name, image, likeness culture around UGA and pretty soon around the rest of college sports as well? Well, it's... <laughs> It's going to be fun to watch because there goes amateur sports. It's all about uh, profiteering off your name, image, and likeness, which, hey, I get it. That's the direction the sport has been trending for quite some time now. Uh, but don't expect equity. Don't expect equality across teams, across sports, across uh, the, the landscape of college athletics. It will forever change. There is... Uh, not the same profitability uh, of the starting quarterback and the third baseman on the girls' softball team. Uh, there is going to be a significant difference in the amount of revenue that an individual can create. Now, what that dynamic, how it impacts uh, athletic departments and teams, and you know, if, if you're on the same team and one, one guy is able to rake in thousands of dollars, uh, in amateur sports, I, I can't wait to see how it plays out. How does that affect some of the dynamics there? What if uh, there's a bigger name out of high school who's able to profit off that, and he's possibly not as productive as another player on the team? How is that going to affect the dynamics in that locker room? Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I think you've already let that genie out of the bottle, and there's no putting it back, but uh, that's where my focus turns is how does it impact the, the management of a team once you start to put money into into these positions? It's different than the NFL. It's different because um, it's it's purely uh, performance based at the at the end of the day, and everyone's getting paid. And when that changes, and some are and some aren't, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how you manage those expectations. So the other day, Charles Barkley said that. He mentioned your position, offensive line in particular, of well, what are you going to do with these offensive linemen who, typically speaking, don't have the same endorsement power that quarterbacks, running backs, you know, historically have kind of had there. And I guess I'll ask you that question. I mean, my assumption is, and, you know, you grew up as a very good football player when you were at Georgia. You know, if you're playing, you know, offensive line at a high level, you're clearly one of the more important players in the roster. And yet, you know, you might not have been as famous as player X, Y, or Z playing, you know, more skill position player. And certainly you go to the NFL, that's true, where it is the quarterbacks who are doing the local car commercial. Oftentimes the uh, the offensive lineman is not. My assumption is that at a certain point you just sort of make peace with that. But, you know, that's a world in which you kind of lived in. I mean, what is that like as a player? Well, there's understandings that you, that you uh, have to come to grips with that not everything is equal. And that's probably a good lesson to know in life, that uh, not every situation is equal, nor is the uh, esteem that people hold specific positions in, specifically in, in football. So 
if you're great as an offensive lineman, sure, some people are, are thrilled that you're playing for their team, but they're not going to buy the jerseys unless the t- statistics are there. And people like the quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers. I get it. I mean, it, it's that's part of it. But it's going to be a little bit different when you're going, why, why is this guy who um, – you start asking those questions, right? Those why yeah. questions, like why? Why is he getting paid? How, how is he able to profit, and I'm not, and I'm a more productive player? I, you know, it's the dynamic that I think it's only going to be exacerbated. The the problems that you've had to manage now, just like anything else, you'll adjust, and they'll find new ways to to deal with uh, these challenges that. Uh, this opportunity basically presents us an opportunity for a lot of guys to uh, capitalize on um, something that they're creating. It's the process of creating your own brand and, and opportunities. And, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it's an exciting proposition that you say, I'm 19 years old, I'm 20 years old, and I can start to really realize a financial gain um, off my brand. Yeah. And I'm, it's weird. I'm kind of of two minds of this and we'll move off this after this, but I'm, I'm kind of of two minds on this. On the one hand, if you're a Georgia football player and you got, you know, eight gazillion Instagram followers, and you have a chance to, you know, send a message and make a thousand bucks off a, you know, endorsement on Instagram in a way, I, I'm not so against that. I wouldn't mind seeing these guys put a few extra dollars in their, in their pocket, but I actually do take it really seriously, John, when the NCAA says, hey, if you make our sport feel less like amateurism to the average person in the public, it's going to hurt us and make us less popular. The reason why I believe the NCAA when it says that is, John, look around right now. Look at young athletes. I'm talking about elite athletes in other sports. There's almost no marketability for these guys and gals whatsoever. I mean, minor league baseball is on the throws going out, of, you know, on the press was going out of business as it is. I mean, that, that that's an entity that struggles mightily. There's an NBA G League. No one watches those games on uh, television. Some of the young guys go over to Europe. No one's following Lamelo Ball playing whatever country mm-hmm. that he's playing for. Uh, I'm a golf fan. The the precursor the PGA Tour is called the Corn Ferry Tour. Those golf events aren't even available on streaming internet. There's no video oh, coverage. Hold up, BA. BA, yeah. did you say it's called the Corn Ferry? It's called the Corn Please? Ferry Tour. That's the uh, sponsor for the uh, for the minor league golf event. Holy cow! Boy, I didn't know that, and yeah. it's probably for the best. Yeah, that's exactly the right. Corn Ferry Tour. The Corn Boy, Ferry I, Tour. I don't know if I'm putting that on my shirt. <laughs> Indeed. But the point is, is like, you know, all these other like elite athletes in their sports, young prior to the professional level, you know, none of these guys are really cashing in in a, in a big way. But for whatever reason, for some reason in this country, when we put these guys in college jerseys, we, I mean, the public at large, you and me included, we just seem to care a lot more about that. And when it becomes less about the colleges and more about the, you know, the, the athletes themselves, the more that it starts to resemble a lot of other sports entities that really have no financial wherewithal whatsoever. Yeah, I, I've had this conversation at length with Jonathan Vilma. Um, smart guy, we see things differently and you know, he, he was even proposing the idea of this league where players out of high school, um, you know, four- and five-star guys could, could go and, and start profiting off their name and uh, developing for the NFL if you had to sit out. And I'm thinking, 
that's called minor league and every other sport, and there's just not that draw. I think what makes it unique is the affinity people have for their schools. I mean, uh, the reason why folks love uh, fill in the blank is because he plays for your your team. And when he goes, what we've seen in, in, in recent times with the transfer, yes, you keep track of a guy like Justin Fields, but the the, the same people that are like, oh, he's the best player ever because he was wearing red and black are now not quite the same level of fan of Justin Fields in particular as they once were because he doesn't play for your school. And when you start to take that away, when you move it into other uh, places, minor leagues specifically, it's a great example of uh, the fan is is a fan of yours because you play for their team, their yeah. school. That's that's not a surprise. It shouldn't be for anyone as as they look across the landscape of specifically college sports. I think that's exactly right. Let me move on and talk about something different. I, before you joined us, I made the case that I believe that Kobe Dean might be one of Georgia's most underrated players. He might be as underrated as anybody in the SEC right now because, John, my assumption here is is that for Georgia fans, they would lump a fully healthy Dean, something that he was not during the, the spring, but we expect him to be this fall. They would lump him in the same category of the Jordan Davises, the Adam Andersons, the Nolan Smiths, the Trayvon Walkers, the best players on this Georgia defense. I think you would see Dean mentioned by fans in that same breath. He was a semifinalist for the Butkus Award winner, after all. And yet, I think when you look at some of the national stuff that's out there, early look ahead to so the 2022 NFL draft, I say, for instance, you don't really see Dean's name as commonly mentioned as some of the other guys. I think it's about to be an eye-opening year for a lot of media and draft scouts and pundits and things like that. If, if they really are sleeping on Dean, because I think most Georgia fans, I certainly think Georgia coaches, Kirby Smart included, uh, view Dean as one of the most important players in this roster. Yeah, I, I think he, if, if you were to identify one player, um, and really including the names that you listed, Jordan Davis, Adam Anderson, that could really have a breakout of like a move from under the radar to national relevance, McCoby's probably at the top of the list on this defense. Just uh, one of the position he plays. Two, the fact that he's probably uh, going to get m- much more opportunity in this 2021 season than he has in the past, and the expectations for him and responsibilities that he's going to have to carry are going to be so much greater. I think, uh, at least early on, there there's going to be a piece where you're you're trying to protect your cornerbacks a little more, which means you're, you're bringing a little more pressure. And to compensate for that, there's going to be some one-on-one coverage scenarios that N'Kobe Dean's going to be matched up with, you know, these tight ends and slot receivers that, uh, as you see the, the transition of college football and really football across the board to these large athletic Kyle Pitts type uh, mismatch scenarios that, uh, Georgia's going to say, "All right, Nicobe, this is your opportunity. We're going to we're going to put you in these difficult situations and expect you to to come away with the win." That's great for him because I think uh, through his development, he's primed to have one of those years that's that's remarkable. And uh, yes, he probably isn't getting the, the early recognition, but it's also something that can be and should be earned. 
uh, once they start playing ball in the fall. And I get it, John, that the edge rusher spot is a more valuable spot in the eyes of certainly the NFL world, and I understand why that's the case. But, I mean, watch the way that Roquan played for Georgia in 2017. I'm not saying Dean's going to be Roquan, but I am saying that that Roquan in 2017. Wouldn't that be great? Well, it'd be very nice. I, I would certainly enjoy that. But, you know, Roquan shows you what an inside linebacker can still do at the college level. And I'd say look at Devin White, former LSU linebacker with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I would say Tampa's very glad to have Devin White in the Super Bowl, maybe the game film that proves that as much as anything. Yes, and, and I think you look at the way the game is played now, uh, these linebackers have to be able to run. They're oversized safeties in the way the game is played. You have to be able to stop the run, but really the way you're going to be measured is – how do you tackle in space? How do you cover in the, you know, as they spread the game horizontally? It's not the uh, deep throws and the play action passes as much as it is uh, just the fact that they have five wides and are throwing five to 10 yard routes constantly in these open seams. So your, your ability to, to create plays and coverage and, and be a good coverage guy in space is probably put more at a premium now. Than, than it was five years ago. I mean, you, just the way the game is played. Yes, you're still going to have to fill in the run. Yes, those expectations are still that you're that inside linebacker present in the box, but there's much more of a premium on, on a guy's ability to cover and run and uh, take away some of what these spread offenses and uh, these coordinators are doing on the other side of the ball. Let me try to finish with one thing here, John, and I want to try to make this as I guess simplified it as I can. On Friday's show, I talked about some numbers related to the Georgia offensive line as football outsiders tabulated. And it's kind of interesting from year over year the way the profile of the Georgia offensive line seemed to change, at least in the basis of football outsiders. In 2019, Georgia was very good in pass protection. The sack rate, percentage of pass plays that resulted in a sack was very low. But some of the running game numbers had started to dip a little bit. And I, I guess, presume that that's related to the fact that the uh, you know Georgia offense just struggled overall in 2019. It became easy to telegraph. Or, or, or guess what maybe Georgia was trying to do offensively. Yet last year, there was a little bit of a reversal on that. The Georgia running uh, you know, block schemes, at least on the basis of some of the football outsiders' numbers, were still pretty good. Georgia's pretty close to top ten in the country in terms of what they call line yards, those first four or five yards of a rushing play, how big of a hole gets opened up. Georgia did really well on that. But outside the top 50, I think 54th nationally when it comes to a sack rate, the percentage of plays – dropbacks to pass that result in a sack Georgia outside the top 50 nationally first of all my question is is that does those stats match up with what you saw Georgia struggling a little bit more than we come to expect in the pass protection a year ago and I guess how does that get fixed here for the upcoming season because that would seem to be a pretty important area to zero in on to get the most out of this Georgia offense well you're looking at a transition you're looking at a transition 2019 I think uh, is 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 very noteworthy because everyone in the country knew Georgia was a run-first offense. What kind of offensive linemen were we recruiting? Uh, Sam was looking for ginormous humans, right? The old yeah. school, uh, early 2000 Alabama offensive lines where it's like, we're bigger than you, we're going to lean on you, and we're going to create space. In 2019, it just wasn't effective. And so 2020, you see a transition there. You see a transition in how the attack is, is being played, and I think there's a transition in, in how we're developing and asking our linemen uh, to approach the game. Now, 
Georgia has had uh, a high level of, uh, one, ability to recruit great offensive linemen, uh, but really uh, Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, uh, Solomon Kinley. We, we put a number of guys, Lamont Gilliard, uh, this year Trey Hill, Ben Cleveland, um, and, and more into the league. Uh, but I think we're also seeing a transition in, in what – and how we're playing the game and what they're being asked to do. So uh, as we're making that move from that run-first, pound, lean-on-them, huge, massive guys to what we've discussed on this show, B.A., of, of yeah. more athleticism and the ability to move in space, um, I think last year was our transition year, and this is going to be more of that blend, that balance of, yes, we're still going to run the ball, but – we have to be able to hold up in the pass game when it's not just play-action pass. I think the the play type that's being called in 2021 is going to look markedly different than what we saw in 2019 or before. In that, you know, it was primarily um, you know run heavy or balance set. Uh, your base personnel groupings and play-action pass, and uh, with JT Daniels, you, you've got the opportunity to. Uh, kind of move your game into the what the, the modern game of football and how it's played, and that's not uh, it's a different personnel grouping. It's more sub packages and it's uh, different demands of of what you're asking your offensive line to do. And uh, I think Georgia has been in the process of of making that transition. John, it's always great to get your insight. We really appreciate you being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia today. Hope you have a great week, and, of course, we'll look forward to getting a chance to speak with you very soon here as well. I'm looking forward to it. I was also checking out the $77 uh, yeah. Atlanta Braves deals, man. That sounded pretty pretty exciting. I saw it on Facebook and uh, heard you talk about it before we hopped on the air. So. It seems like you got some really good stuff going on. Yeah, it's right going to be a good time. I, uh, it's, John, I'm sure you're like me. It's just kind of nice to know that in a healthy and safe way, people can be back and enjoying each other's company once again. You know, uh, a lot of folks getting vaccinated. And, you know, I was there for two of the three games this weekend against the Phillies. And, boy, big crowds, everybody having fun. And really just a, you know, a nice data point for the optimism I like to have about what the rest of 2021 is going to look like. Uh, I think the Braves are doing a very good job of of providing that right now what well, i think it, as well we should i think as more people get vaccinated and and understand what this transition phase looks like um we have opportunities to do things that we weren't able to do in That's 2020 right. i think we can take advantage of it and i think there's a lot of folks that are really excited about doing just that awesome stuff john thank you so much oh. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, so as John said, Braves.com slash Dog Nation. Big, big event. Uh, going to be going down Friday, May 21st. We'll be there starting at 4 p.m. the Terrapin Tap Room. This is going to be like a traditional like Dog Nation Days of Summer type thing where you know Jeff's going to be there, I'm going to be there. I think a lot of the uh, Dog Nation folks are going to be there. You know, We'll do you know, Q&A. We'll talk some Georgia football. We'll kind of do that regular thing. We'll enjoy a great Fox Brothers uh, barbecue you know, dinner meal. Uh, you know, some uh, Terrapin beers there as well, and then we'll all head to the game together. We're going to have a huge crowd, a lot of uh, Georgia fans enjoying some Braves baseball there that, that night. Braves taking them to the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's also Alumni Weekend, so it, it's just a you know gigantic uh, thing going on there. going to be a great time. Friday, May 21st, 
all of that. Uh, find out more details, braves.com slash dognation. You can sign up, you can buy, you can be there with us. So many of you have told me you're already going to be there. I cannot wait to see you. This is our first public event together in a long, long time. Dog Nation Days of Summer coming to the Battery Atlanta and then Truist Park Friday, May 21st. We will see you there. Tickets just 77 bucks. Braves.com slash dog nation for a lot more on that. All right, we're going to transition. We'll do our SEC three here for a moment. And we had some big news in the SEC as former Tennessee linebacker Henry Toto has now made his move to Alabama. This is kind of interesting on a number of fronts. First of all, if you want to go back a few weeks ago, Alabama was kind of viewed as the clear leader in Toto's recruitment. And yet there was a time, you know, I think in the last couple of weeks where that started to change, right? I mean, some of y'all follow this stuff really closely. Didn't you start hearing a lot more Ohio State for uh, for Toa Toa that, that that was kind of viewed as the leader and whatever had gone on with Alabama and kind of fizzled away, and yet Alabama sort of zips in and, and, and earns the commitment here of a transfer that's just gigantic in terms of, you know, this is a tackling machine for Tennessee, most important player, well, arguably uh, one of the more important players in their roster from a year ago, and now he's third Saturday in October rivalry, now changing sidelines, going from Tennessee to Alabama. Many of you are going to ask, how does Alabama even have room for another player? I honestly don't know the answer to this. It just seems like they just keep adding guys. They had a Jamison Williams transfer, wide receiver from Ohio State. The other day, this is after signing, by my count, like 172 people for their 2021 class. I honestly don't know how they find a way. I mean, their sideline is going to stretch all the way into the locker room uh, in terms of the players that seem to be on their roster, but somehow Alabama figures all of this out. And, of course, there's also the current prohibition on immediate eligibility for intra-conference transfers. This was a one-time relaxation of that rule for 2020, but supposedly things are supposed to go back to normal uh, for 2021. Now, I said last year that there's no such thing as, hey, I'm going to compromise my principles on this rule just one time. Once you cave in on a rule, the rule essentially no longer exists. The SEC uh, you know, early June at the latest, I think is going to, you know, make some sort of announcement related to the intra-conference transfer rule. We've already seen just within the last couple of months, American Athletic Conference, ACC, Big 12, move off of their intra-conference transfer you know, immediate eligibility ban. And I'm guessing the SEC is probably not going to have to do the same thing there as well, which will open the door for even more of these kinds of transfers. And eventually you'll probably open the door for, you know, Georgia to kind of take advantage of some of this too, whether it be, you know, some of the names we've mentioned or other other guys that might enter the portal. If, if, if this rule does get changed, you almost think there's going to be a lot more names that then go into the portal because they'd like to go somewhere else, but right now feel like they're in danger of not being able to do that. So therefore they don't. And I know that the way that Georgia fans like to behave on something like this, you may not like seeing the rich get richer in terms of Alabama, but you don't mind seeing the Tennessee fans forced to kind of shed tears over losing one of their best players to what a lot of Tennessee fans think of as their biggest rival. And this is where I'm going to irritate some of y'all on the fact that I can't really quite join in on that right now. I mean, do you really think it's good for college football that if you're a Tennessee fan, you've rooted for Toa Toa, he's been one of your more important players, you were proud when he signed here, you know, you're not really buying the jersey necessarily, but that may be your kid's favorite player. And then lo and behold, things you know get a little tough there in Knoxville, and all of a sudden he just packs up, moves over, and then plays against you the very next season for your biggest rival. Is that good for Tennessee fans? Is that good for college football all the way around? I'm not saying there shouldn't be any kind of transferring, but you know the idea that there's no disincentive whatsoever to leave a bad team to go to a good team, what do you think is going to happen? 
I mean, w w when there's no, when there's nothing to discourage players who are maybe tired of not being on a very good team and see an opportunity on a, on a better team, what do you think is going to happen even more? And we said this at the time, and, and this is one of those predictions we got 100% right, that when the whole idea of, hey, let's, let's allow players to transfer in the SEC and let's give them immediate eligibility when they do. That all seems fine and well when it's a guy like, say, Otis Reese, who wasn't playing as much as he would like to in a place like Georgia, going to Ole Miss. Or a guy like Cade Mays leaving a place like Georgia, going back to his hometown of uh, Tennessee. Who could be against that, some people would say. Everything kind of makes you know seems to make sense on that when it's player leaving a more talented team to kind of go to a lesser talented team. There's a certain extent of, well, we're just kind of spreading out some equality here. We're making a little bit of roster parity around the SEC. But we sit on this show, it would take five minutes for this to be another cudgel, another weapon to be used by a program like Alabama, who's now going to not just hoard the very best high school players, but hoard players off other SEC rosters there as well. This is not going to end in a good place for the SEC. So, look, you know, the toothpaste is out of the tube on this. Everybody's kind of moving forward with just, you know, Wild West rampant transfers all the way around. But you're already seeing some examples of how I believe this is making the sport worse. All right, couple of other notes here for a moment. I thought it was very interesting to see Pro Football Focus has put out a mock draft for 2022. One of their writers did, and I believe I saw Florida quarterback Emory Jones taken in the top 10. <laughs> of the 2022 NFL draft, according to some doofus at Pro Football Focus. This is also the same outfit, by the way, that had Jamie Newman like the top five a, a year ago. So take all this with a grain of salt. I will say this clearly. I will say this in a way that cannot be misunderstood. There is a much better chance that Emory Jones does not finish the season as Florida's starting quarterback than there is that he finishes the season as a eventual first-round pick. Go back and listen to the stuff that Dan Mullen said about Jones at the end of spring practice when it was over. His final synopsis of it. Listen to the way that Mullen, I think we played. We certainly played the audio for you on SEC Country Live. We may have played it on Dog Nation Daily as well. Listen to the stuff that Mullen said about Emory Jones. Does that sound like a quarterback that's about to be taken in the top 10 of the NFL draft? I will let you judge that for yourself. And then finally, somewhat related to the SEC is this. So last night, I, I went to the Braves game. had a great time. Uh, happy Mother's Day to my mom, who was able to share that with my wife there as well, uh, with our children there for the game. So I get back home late, much later than I'm typically up on a Sunday, Quickly uh, scroll Twitter, I see where Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross is twin, uh, trending nationally. And you start reading a lot of the tweets. I guess there was this like, transfer rumor out there for Ross, but it's kind of one of those strange things that exists where there's all this chatter about this on Twitter. And yet, you know, this morning I wake up, I'm trying to find like patient zero, like the source material for whatever this kind of came from. And the best I can tell, there isn't one. This is one of those strange phenomena that seems to occur where this story is trending, and yet I couldn't really quite figure out like where it started. So uh, obviously that would be you know a story worth watching if true, but I have zero reason to think it is true right now. But this was what the internet was talking about about around midnight or so last night when I got home from the uh, Braves game. We'll make that your SEC through. And uh, here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia, not really on the subject of football, but still kind of fun with Kirby Smart. I want to share a little audio with you. Smart, as you may be aware, participated in the it's the Celebrity Pro-Am tournament for the what's called the Regions Tradition. It's actually one of the 
you know, the PGA Tour Champions majors. They have like eight major tournaments, and one of them happens to be the the traditions there in suburban Birmingham each and every year. And Smart was playing with Steve Stricker, and the PGA Tour Champions Twitter account shared this little video of them walking together. But it's always kind of nice to see Smart in kind of a relaxed atmosphere, uh, you know, talking about the game of golf with Stricker. And apparently Stricker had given him a couple of years ago a pretty good golf tip. Uh, this is some fun stuff in the PGA Tour Champions. Kirby Smart enjoying his offseason. Take a listen to this. How's Coach's swing, Strick? You know what? I played with him a couple years ago. I gave him one tip, and he came on 18, and uh, he's actually stuck with it for two years. And he remembered it, too. It's so. helped me tremendously. Kisner texted me and said, I heard Strick uh, straightened out your swing. And I said, he did. He's better coaching kids. Yeah. Well, what was the tip? Oh, he opened shoot. up my club yeah. face. His face was so close, oh. you know, and he was hitting these full hooks or big blocks to the right, so we just got him in there aligned a little bit better and did a great shot at 18, I remember. Put it right up there on the yep. green. The strange thing is he didn't help me out until 18, so <laughs> a little late, but it's helped out the last two years. <laughs> the obvious follow-up, although there's no evidence to see that it was asked, you know, obviously Stricker helping Smart out with his golf game, but many of you are aware, those of you that follow golf anyway, Steve Stricker's also the captain for the upcoming Ryder Cup there as well in Wisconsin later on this fall, and that's a pretty tough coaching job, right? I, you almost wonder if Stricker's giving Smart any golf tips, if Smart gave Stricker any coaching tips as Stricker gets ready to lead the United States Ryder Cup team uh, later on this fall. I'd be curious to find that out. By the way, speaking of golf, a couple close calls for Georgia Athletics, in one case, former UGA athlete here this weekend. Keith Mitchell was very, very close to winning at Quail Hollow, although got upended on Sunday by Rory McIlroy. So very, very close uh, for Mitchell there for the PGA Tour in North Carolina there at Quail Hollow. And the Diamond Dogs, much the same way, really kind of hung with uh, – number one ranked Arkansas all weekend long won the game on Saturday played them close on both Friday and Sunday but ultimately the dogs lose the series there in favor against Arkansas but really fighting hard against the number one team in the country that was kind of a fun thing to see here this weekend and with that we'll wrap up the show something else that was fun to see over the weekend we'll do this as part of our golden shoe here today and of course if you want to hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, you can always be a part of our Golden Shoe and our Gator Hater Roll Call. This related to another George rival, though. And I guess over the weekend, uh, Georgia Tech coach Jeff Collins shared a photo of Bobby Dodd Stadium completely full. And there were some, uh, you know, industrious sleuths, Georgia fans, who had decided that they had taken all the Georgia fans, because obviously that's the only time Bobby Dodd Stadium is full, and the red that was there, and they had done some sort of Photoshop trick to make the red look yellow. And Collins got called out for this, and apparently, eventually, he ended up deleting the tweet. Uh, and somebody shared this with me on Twitter. I'll give a shout-out here for our golden shoe. So Fletcher Proctor, I guess, was talking about this on Twitter, and then Curb Stomp UGA said, please discuss this on the show. So a lot of Georgia fans went after Jeff Collins. He ended up deleting the tweet here this weekend, so that was kind of funny. So good job to Fletcher and Curb Stomp and everybody else. By the way, Gator Gatorator countdown, 173 days. Dogs get a win in Jacks. We'll see you tomorrow at Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Of course, brought to you by R.S. Andrews. Find them online, rsandrews.com. They'll take care of you for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Hope all of you had a great, great weekend and great to have you this here today. We'll read a few of your comments and then we'll kind of bounce off. First of all, I apologize for no comments on Friday. We uh, ran into a little bit of an issue there because we were on the road, but happy to be back doing that again here today. By the way, speaking of the Braves on the Friday, May 21st thing, nice to see Anthony White 
Uh, our buddy Georgia Pride 8 on Twitter checking in to say he's going to be there. Georgia Girls at the game here this weekend. That's nice to be able to see. She reached out on Twitter. Our buddy Mark Morris also reaching out on Twitter to say that he's going to be there. That's great to be able to see. Uh, Jesse Simmons uh, going to be there also. So a lot of folks kind of weighing in on this to say that they're planning on being there with us for the big event on May 21st. That's great to see. Also a lot of folks reacting to something that I had talked about about the full crowds and you know being there at Truist Park this weekend to see that and how it made me feel for what I expect this fall, full crowds for college football. And a lot of folks kind of weighing in on just these things they've been looking forward to seeing that we have not seen in terms of the big fan reaction and the atmosphere that's synonymous with college football. Uh, Wash uh, Rick on Twitter mentioning those uh, trumpet notes for the battle hymn of the Bulldog Nation that plays before the start of the game. Yeah, can you imagine that in Sanford Stadium with a full crowd once again? And uh, that's just really good stuff. Uh, I can't wait to see that. A lot of folks really excited. Uh, Wash Rick also saying Jordan ba- Davis coming back this year is going to be huge. Looking forward to a full year of JT Daniels time for the national championship. Yeah, a lot of Georgia fans very much feel that way. Uh, also, some funny uh, golden shoe submissions. I've kind of gotten uh, some of those there as well. That's fun to be able to see there, too. Yeah, a lot of folks having a good time. Our buddy Anthony White also checking in today to say he's uh, watching the show. 43rd birthday. That's a really cool thing to be able to see. So a lot of folks kind of celebrating some birthdays out there. Anthony, happy birthday to you. Really appreciate you doing that. Uh, a really good time. Um, Doug Patterson mentioned the fact that Georgia – has still been fairly conservative and careful with some of its baseball crowds. Interesting, kind of an outlier with some of the rest of the SEC that's now gone back to full uh, capacity. I'm not really quite sure what to make of all of that, but he is right. The Georgia's been pretty careful on that as of late. By the way, um, uh, Team Rocket on Twitter also mentioning you know the idea of these fans, these crowds getting back together, saying that he might tear up some when he hears the crowd roaring. And I do love that. You know, one of the things I do sometimes when I'm working out is I kind of go to YouTube and just kind of try to find some, you know, old crowd shots. You know, some of the – I like the videos that fans themselves, like the bootleg videos that they make of crowd cheering after a big moment or, you know, something along those lines. I just love that kind of stuff. I mean, I do – you know, that's the one thing I think we got from 2020 was that the fans are an integral part of the experience. I think some of us may have assumed that – College sports, football, sports in general had become kind of a made-for-TV product, and the games really only existed to be televised. I think we found out this year how not true that was, this past year, I mean. I think we found out how not true that was, that the TV ratings were down, and I've long assumed that one of the things that made fans watch less was that the sports they were watching with these empty stadiums and you know, the absence of atmosphere, that somehow it just didn't look the same, and therefore it didn't feel as legitimate. It was just different and too different in some cases to be what people wanted. And certainly the experience of being there, and listen, I was very grateful and and felt very lucky to have been there for these games this past fall. But being there, it was clearly a different kind of thing, right? It was just not, it was just not this, you know, the same kind of experience. And so, Boy, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's going to feel different in 2021. I'm optimistic that it will, and we need that, right? I mean, there's just no doubt about it that the presence of sports, the tailgating, the the fun, the pageantry that we connect with college football, 
that does bring us closer together. And there's no doubt right now as a society we could be brought back together, and that would be <laughs> certainly a, probably a pretty good thing. I think the sports has the power to be able to do that for sure. Uh, of course, your comments continue to roll in on some of the things that we've talked about here. Recent stories, dognation.com, including what I wrote yesterday about the NFL draft picks off the Georgia offense. Interesting to see that. Folks reacting to some of the Ngobi Dean stuff here today. And I do believe, I think that Dean uh, stands as an underrated player on the Georgia roster and someone who has a chance to do some very big things coming up for the dogs here this fall. Right there alongside the other names that are more prominently discussed, like an Adam Anderson or a Nolan Smith or certainly a Jordan Davis, in some cases a Trayvon Walker, I would include Dean in that same discussion, and I think that later on this fall we may see the reasons why that is indeed true. So fun discussion here today. Appreciate you being here as a part of our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Make sure you find them online at rsandrews.com. They'll take really good care of you for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. It is R.S. Andrews. The R.S., by the way, stands for rapid service. You'll have a great day. I'll see you back here tomorrow for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down after the show. And, of course, uh, for Dog Nation Daily presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia as well. We'll talk to you then, everybody.